0: that you're going to be hearing a lot of scriptures that are familiar to you. And there's always this, this challenge that when we hear a scripture that we've already heard, even ones that we've memorized, those that we can quote, a lot of times when we hear that verse again, our mind pulls us away and thinking that, well, I heard that, I know that, I got that. And yes, you do with your mind. But there's more that you and I can extract from every scripture uh, in our heart. There's more that the Holy Spirit can uh, disclose and reveal and help us to see. And really, that's when revelation gets built on revelation. And that's what we're attempting to have happen in our own lives. Because we want more revelation. We want more light. And uh, that will enhance our faith and our ability to uh, walk in that and be a doer thereof. Let's go ahead and trust him. For utterance tonight let's trust him for ears that hear so father we we come before you and we see this as an opportunity right now to come under the sound of your voice Lord all scripture you have breathed your life into it and when we begin to hear it when we begin to mix faith with it when we choose to believe what you're saying we are quickened on the inside we are fed we are matured we we come to a closer walk with you and so we thank you tonight that i have utterance to speak that your spirit is upon me and i'm anointed to preach i thank you for the ears of the listener we declare that they have ears to hear we say uh, they have hungry hearts and we say that they'll bring their mind under submission right now and interact with the Word of God from their spirit. I say they have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of their spirit is enlightened, is enlightened by the Spirit of God that's in them and upon them. We claim it now in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in healing school Let's get into the subject matter uh, tonight that the Lord has for us. Go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And here we have the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And so he's speaking to believers as all of the epistles are, and that's why we concentrate on those. The epistles were not written about us they were written to us and notice he begins by saying moreover brethren so he's talking about the the men and women that have received christ as their savior he says i declare unto you the gospel how many of you know that there is the gospel not a variation on the gospel but the unadulterated truth of what jesus christ has done in our behalf He says, I've preached it unto you, which also you have received, and wherein that belief of the gospel you stand, by which the gospel, that's how you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now look at this verse 3. He says, I have delivered unto you that first of all that which I also received how Christ did what? He died. Christ did what? He died. Now understand that many Christians their view of the cross their view of what Christ did for them is solely physical. They relate to his physical death on the cross but Jesus here where it says how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures Jesus died two deaths on the cross first and foremost Jesus died spiritually he became what we were before we received him he became dead in his trespasses and sins he was separated from God His spirit was now void of spiritual life, and that's why he went to hell. He also died physically. Now, we're going to look at these two deaths tonight, and it's going to bring us to a place where we can see how healing can quicken, God's healing power can quicken, make alive, and bring about a healing and a cure in our physical body. Now understand it has everything to do with Christ, what Christ did for you and I. So when we understand that, then we can understand how we too can receive healing from the Lord. So Jesus died both spiritually and physically. Amen? I was just reminded to say hello to you out there on the live stream. Hi, glad you're here tonight. I trust you got your Bible open. I trust you're ready to hear some words that are going to enhance how you see what Jesus did for you and how to receive it into your life so that you can walk in divine health as Jesus has provided for us. So welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. So Jesus died both spiritually and physically on the earth. Remember when Jesus was there on the cross suffering in our place? trying to hold himself up so he could take a breath. Actually, that's what the crucifixion was intended to do, to wear a person out where they could no longer stand up and they would relax and the pressure of hanging there would suffocate them. And so here is Jesus gasping for air, trying to stay alive. And in a moment of time, God placed our sin condition on Jesus see Jesus had no sin he's God but he became our substitute and God placed our sin condition on Jesus and in that when that took place and he died spiritually even though he was alive in a body on the earth he cried out to God and he said my God my God why hath you forsaken me? You see right there is when Jesus became our sin and he died in our place. So when he died physically after dying spiritually, his spirit left his body. And his spirit was taken by the adversary and carried to a place the Bible calls hell. Notice what Jesus said of himself, Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. For as Jonas, or as we know him, Jonah, he was three days and three nights, where? In the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man, talking of himself, be three days and three nights. Where? In the heart of the earth. Jesus was referring that he would spend three days in hell for you and I, you and I, paying the price that we owed. You see, sin requires judgment. And sin requires a payment to be free from that judgment so Jesus became that judgment in hell and it's not like a lot of these t-shirts we used to see way back in the day you know I'm looking forward to going to hell so I can have a barbecue with my friends it was no heyday in hell for Jesus Christ in the same way it's, it's no picnic for anyone else who goes there it's a place of torment it's a place of judgment. It is a place of condemnation. And so Jesus was experiencing that for three days and three nights. Now, he also died physically. Look over here. We're in 1 Corinthians 15, where we were just a moment ago. Go back to that, and we're going to look at this third verse again and then add verse 4 as well so where did the body of jesus go we know where his spirit went he told us it went to the heart of the earth it went to that place for those separated from god that place called hell or hades so again paul said how christ did what died for our sins now understand that sins and a sin condition is spiritual that's why he died spiritually to pay for them hallelujah he did that according to the scriptures now look at verse 4 and that he his body was buried so we see here the two deaths and the location of where his spirit went and his body went when it died. It's, it's just like you and I when we're, when we experience the loss of a loved one. And we go to uh, wherever they're holding the body, if it's not cremated, and we come and we, we look at that body. Well, guess what? That body is not our loved one. That body is just the house that they lived in. And their spirit is where they chose it to be after the spirit left the body. So here it says how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and he was buried. He was actually born in a tomb that was reserved as for a rich individual. And we saw that this morning in that scripture that we, were, that we read about how he, w- he died with the wicked, but yet he was with the rich. And that just means that his body, he actually had a tomb that was actually carved out. It was a very expensive place to bury a body in. That also had that big stone that, that sealed it to, keep it to keep that body permanently in that place. And so look here in Matthew 27, 57. Let's look at this about where his body went when his spirit left his body and the body died. It says in Matthew 27, 57. It says that when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Aramadus. He was named Joseph. Uh, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. Isn't that interesting? Jesus had those that had wealth that followed him. Many of these, you can see during his earthly ministry, were actually underwriting and facilitating his earthly ministry. That's why they had to have a bookkeeper. They had so many finances to deal with. And so this man, Joseph, this rich man, and I'm assuming being rich, he had influence, because here he goes before Pilate. This was that, that governor that, that, that had Jesus brought before him, Pontius Pilate. And he begged of the body of Jesus. So this Roman representative, this political leader, He commanded that the Lord's body would be delivered to him. Now, look what Joseph did with it. And so when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. And so he paid for having the body prepared for burial. Notice verse 60. And laid his body in his own new tomb. This is a place that he had reserved for himself to be buried in. Which he had hewn out in the rock. Wow, Could you imagine men being paid to chisel out a tomb in solid rock just for the purpose of being a burial site? Well, that's where Jesus' body was buried. And then he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed." So here we see, clearly, that after the death of Jesus, his spirit went one place. It went to a place in the earth we call hell. And his body was placed in an earthly tomb. Now we see this reality in another New Testament example I want you to go over and let's look at the the testimony of Lazarus and the rich man let's go on over to Luke chapter 16 verse 19 now is my personal opinion that this story of Lazarus and the rich man is a profound insight of what takes place after a spirit An eternal spirit leaves the house they live in through physical death, and that spirit leaves. Now, understand that this is not a parable. This is not an example that they came up with. This is a real testimony of two people, one who was rich, named Lazarus, excuse me, the rich man, who we don't hear his name, but also a man named Lazarus who was poor. Notice in beginning in the 19th verse in the King James, it says there was a certain rich man. Every time that the King James, in talking about a person and their experience, when they say certain, they're talking about a real-life individual. Remember the, the, women, the woman with the issue of blood? She was called a certain woman with an issue of blood. It was a real testimony of that individual. You and I will meet Lazarus. Just like you and I will meet the woman with the issue of blood. And boy, am I going to thank her for all the sermons she gave me through her testimony. (laughs) Hallelujah. And how bold she was as a woman in that day to come and get what God had for her. So here we see a certain rich man. And he was clothed in purple and fine linen because he was rich. And he fared sumptuously every day. So he, he ate well. And then in contrast to that, there was a certain beggar. And he's named Lazarus. And notice where his position Of begging took place he laid at his gate he laid at the gate of the rich man hoping to get handouts from the rich man and it says that he was full of sores and he desired to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table Apparently that didn't happen very often because it says moreover the dogs or more often dogs would come and lick his sores and it came to pass that the beggar did what he died he was separated from his body through physical death notice it says that when he left his body he was carried by the angel Well, angels are spiritual beings that minister to God and also minister to us because we are heirs of salvation. So they carried his spirit to a holding place. This is before we had access to heaven because Jesus hadn't paid the price yet. So this is an Old Testament realization. It says that they were carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And so that was a holding place for those who were in covenant with God. And then the same thing happened to the rich man. It says that the rich man died. Again, remember, physical death is just simply the the absence of the life of that body, the spirit leaving it. And his body was what? Buried like Jesus' was. But he went to a different place with his spirit. Notice it says that in hell, he lift up his eyes. Notice this, being in torment. Doesn't say having a party with his buddies. No, it's a place of torment. I heard someone years ago that had visited hell and so you know we you can't take every experience that people tell you about what they saw in a vision you you can't really just say well this is the way it is but it sounds like what hell would be like and he was in hell And his experience was this, is that he saw people that were held in a stationary position, almost like they were, I don't want to say floating, but they were in a fixed position upright. And all around those was fire. And little imps or demons or hellish looking creatures that were constantly speaking to this person bringing words of torment words of regret uh, words of whatever would you know dishearten anybody and they were just fixed in that position and he sensed that that place of torment was something that was eternal with no reprieve and we can kind of see that here It it says that the rich man also died his body was buried but in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom now wouldn't that be tormenting to you That the eternal realization is that you missed the gift that God gave you. And now you're seeing someone else who made the right choice, even though they were poor, made the right choice, and now they're enjoying the blessings of their decision. And there you are, enduring the decision that you made. I mean, how many times have we done that in life that we did something the wrong way and then we regret it? It has torment. Doesn't it? Well, can you imagine an eternal, an eternal torment like that? And that's what this rich man was experiencing. Now understand that both these men died physically, just like Jesus did. But their spirits went to two different places. Lazarus, because he was in covenant with Abraham, he went to a place like heaven. But the rich man who was not in covenant, obviously, went to that place for those in hell. Now, see, some people make this this story and this testament, this testimony about, well, if you're rich, then you, you you can't expect to have good things after living a life of a rich man. They make it about rich against poor. That's not the theme of this testimony. Amen? After all, we just saw a rich man who gave his tomb to Jesus and used his wealth to underwrite the will of God on the earth. It all comes down to that this rich man didn't make a choice to be in covenant with God for whatever reason, whether he was solely dependent upon his wealth to give him a lifestyle that he enjoyed, thinking, that there was no torment after that life. But we see now through this testimony that that's exactly what took place. Now, let's let's go further. Verse 24, I'm still in Luke 16. Now, it's interesting that he cried out and said, Father Abraham. Isn't that interesting? He, he knew about the covenant through Abraham. Yeah. You know, I, I'm reminded of another testimony of a man that went to hell. But this was a the testimony of a, a young teenager. He was probably fifteen years old. And uh he had an incurable disease. And so he was bedfast. And he had been a church going boy. He grew up in a Christian family. He knew about Jesus. But he, he was never taught the gospel. And so he was lying in bed. This is prior to him being born again. And because of this condition, this incurable condition that he had in his body, uh, death grabbed a hold of him. And he died. He said that it seemed as if he came out of his mouth and saw his body on the bed lifeless. But then something grabbed a hold of him and he started going down he went down through the house down through and started going down through the earth and as he was going down he could see the lights of the earth get dimmer and dimmer and he went down through the caverns of the earth and it got darker and darker and he could sense that it was getting warmer and warmer as he descended by these two creatures And as he was going down he knew he was on his way to hell and he began to scream at the top of his lungs well I I've I've gone to church I I was baptized with water and he kept going down and down and down it got darker and darker and hotter and hotter and he said that he got down at the very bottom and he refused to look at these two creatures next to him because he thought if he fixed his eyes on them he would have no way to get to get away now he said he did slow down his descent by screaming and fighting with these creatures but they kept pulling him down and so he found himself at the bottom And hit something firm and he looked in and he saw the fires of hell and he could feel the heat of it radiating against his face and he's still screaming at the top of his lungs telling God why he shouldn't be here I went to church I did this I lived in a Christian home I was baptized in water and then all of a sudden there's his voice that spoke he says it was a language that he couldn't understand and when this voice spoke the very caverns of hell began to shake and then all of a sudden those two creatures let him go and took a step back and he started to ascend still screaming at the top of his lungs He says he came back up into the house. He saw his lifeless body on the bed and he came right back in his mouth and then took residence of that body again. And then his voices were then heard outwardly. The whole house was awakened because he's screaming at the top of his lungs. They said they heard his voice two blocks away. Screaming out. That happened to him twice. The second time, it happened the exact same way. Got down to the bottom of hell and he saw it and here came that voice. Booming. And they let go of him and he went up. The second time he went up, he started to confess the lordship of Jesus Christ. He got born again. As he was ascending back up to earth, he came back in his body and he was screaming out to Jesus as his savior when his his spirit got back in his body and his body began to express what his heart was saying. Gloriously saved. You see, hell is a real place. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And good works alone cannot deliver us from a sinner's hell. Only receiving the gift of God through Jesus Christ is the only solution that he's offered us. So, here back in our testimony of Lazarus, Here's this man crying out to Father Abraham. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Now, understand that many people live a life on earth think, thinking that when the time is appropriate, they'll accept Christ. But you know, the earth is a dangerous place. I said, the earth is a dangerous place. We have no guarantee on earth that we'll live another day and have an opportunity to receive Christ. That's why the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the only day we have the opportunity to choose life to choose Jesus Christ, to receive him into our life. We have no guarantee we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. No guarantees down here. Amen? So even this man crying out to Father Abraham is too late. The choice has to be made while we're here on the earth. Look what he asked of Father Abraham. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Oh, my goodness. He's just looking for some sort of a reprise from that torment in hell. He says, for I am, what, tormented, how? In this flame. Now understand, this is exactly what Jesus experienced for you and I. For those those three days and three nights. Aren't you thankful that someone took your place? Abraham responds. He says, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Verse 26. And beside all this, between where I am and where you are, there's a great gulf fixed. There's a separation. There's a barrier. So they which pass from hence, that place of blessing and comfort, they can't to you. They can't come to you neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You know, when our spirit leaves our body, we've already made our choice where we'll go. Thank goodness for those that embrace it while they're here on the earth. Then this rich man said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house. Apparently in his father's house, there's the same spiritual condition. They have no relationship with God through the covenant. At that time, that covenant of Abraham. He goes on to say, I have five brothers. I ask that you would send Lazarus to them, that my five brothers would hear the testimony of Lazarus. Least they also come to this place of torment. Now I realize this is a very sobering portion of Scripture. But you see, This rich man thought about his family too late. You and I have that opportunity while we're still here on the earth. That's why we pray for our loved ones. That's why we follow Jesus as close as we can so they can see an example of Jesus in our life. Now, why didn't God comply with this rich man's request? Why didn't God send Lazarus to the earth to talk to his brothers? Well, there's a lot of reasons. Number one, Lazarus doesn't have access to the earth. Nor do those that have gone before us. We can't communicate with those that have gone before. There's a great gulf fix between us and them. And that's why you got to be careful when there are those out there saying that they're communicating with the dead. I happened to see briefly the other day on television this woman that was communicating with people's animals. giving them messages you see people are so hungry for the supernatural they get off I said they get off I said they get off those people that think that they're communicating with the dead are communicating with demons and familiar spirits. They have no idea what they're tampering with. Yeah, come on. Yeah. That's why I think this testimony is so powerful. It really opens our eyes to what it's really like in the spiritual realm. Abraham says they have Moses. They already have a preacher down on earth. They don't need someone from heaven to come. They already got a preacher. And they don't only have Moses, but they have the prophets. Let them hear them. You see, that's the will of God. And then he said this. Nay, or no, Father Abraham, you're wrong. If one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Now, doesn't that sound logical? Doesn't that sound like God would do something like that? Something that dramatic, that supernatural to get someone to wake up? Notice the reply. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one rose from the dead. What is Scripture telling us? That when someone makes up their mind to stand against God in his ways, that just seeing something supernatural isn't going to change their mind. I know I was that way. I can count multiple times that God sent people that I knew on the earth to share the gospel with me, but I had already made up my mind that I was on my way to heaven and I didn't need what they were teaching. I didn't need what they were saying I just completely closed it out it was that way for you too as well you had to get to that place where you desired the truth you you wanted what God had for you and you abandoned your pride thinking that you were good enough already saw yourself as Scripture depicted you as one that was lost in your trespasses and sins. So like Jesus, both of these men were still alive after death. They still remembered things that happened. They Recognize people when they were out of their body and in the spirit remember it says that lazarus or the rich man saw lazarus he recognized him so obviously he still had the shape or form with his spirit as he did in his body notice that both their bodies remained on the earth But their spirit went to their respected spiritual home. See, we pick our spiritual home before we leave the earth. Have you? See, many by default don't pick the home that God has for them And so by default, guess what? You're going to the other home, which is hell. Well, I didn't choose that. You did when you didn't choose what God had for you. Well, that's not fair. Nothing on this earth is fair. Nothing. And plus the salvation that we receive freely, we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. It's a gift. And it's given to us freely. But you have to choose it. Amen. You have to invite him into your life. You not only have to believe in him, but you got to call on him to come into your life to save you save you from what? A sinner's hell. A sinner's hell. Hallelujah. Well, we gonna have an altar call right here. And right now. And I believe that that's what the Lord wants us to do. I know, because of how the Lord has led me tonight, that there are those watching right now from the live stream And you've kind of scoffed at a sinner's hell. Oh, that's just an old wives' tale. That's that's just some way to threaten you to come into church. No. It's reality. You see, this earth and all that is here is not all there is to life. We're all eternal spirits. And... We live after we're done here on the earth. And where we go is up to us. We choose. We choose. It says over there in Deuteronomy that God has put before each one of us life and death. Heaven or hell. And then it says choose life so that you and your seed will live. You see, the choice of where we go after this earth and our time here is not up to God. See, he's given us the, the free choice of where we go. And so it's up to us who we choose to be with when we leave this earth. Just like Scripture says, choose life. I'm recommending that to you tonight. Remember, Jesus says, I've come that you might have eternal life. That eternal life is that life force of God that comes into our heart, into our spirit, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior, and it then causes us to be made brand new on the inside we we have that fallen spirit that that sin condition that is completely consumed by god's life and is pushed out of us and now we have his life on the inside that one choice that that moment of decision on earth for jesus christ will impact you and me for all time for all eternity. It's the most important decision that can be made to the opportunity that was afforded us here on earth is to ask Jesus into your heart. Now you might be like I was. And you're just you're just going, oh, come on, really? I'm good enough for God. I'm, I'm good enough to be with Him when I leave here if. He is real. Well, he's real. You see him every day. You see the handiwork of his creation all around you every day. You see the life of his creation in your physical body every day. You're the only one on earth that can go like this. But he made more than your body. He wants to make you like him on the inside too. And that can only happen through a spiritual birth. Remember Jesus said, you must be born again. Amen. He didn't say you can be born again if you want to, uh, you know. No, he said you must. Amen. Well, why was he so emphatic? Is because there's only one way to eternal life. Come on. And that's through him. Amen. Jesus Christ, Amen. the Messiah, the Savior of the world. But in order for him to come into you, you've got to open the door of your heart. He says in Revelation, Behold, I come at the door and I knock. Well, why is he knocking? Because he can't come in unless we... It's done simply by asking. You see, salvation isn't about being good enough. It's not about being a good person. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's just simply believing in him and then inviting him into your life. You open your heart and you ask him to come in see if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead he says you shall be saved see salvation isn't going to a church salvation isn't being baptized salvation isn't helping old ladies across the street salvation is a spiritual birth it says then that if you confess him as Lord what you say about him and calling him Lord creates salvation in our heart for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confessing Jesus as my Lord creates salvation So salvation is not simply a belief, it's also acting on that belief and choosing him and allowing him to come into your life. That's what it means to be saved. The scripture says that whosoever call upon the name of the Lord, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, which is Jesus, shall be saved. Over there in John, the first chapter, verse 12, it says that as many as receive him, as many as invite Jesus into a heart, it says to them, those who receive him, he gives them power to become the sons of God. That's that spiritual birth. So it's simple tonight. You can make a decision. That will impact you for all eternity you can be like Lazarus that when your body finally gives out and your spirit leaves that body you're gonna be like Lazarus you're gonna be in the presence of God and all of his goodness will be afforded to you or you can remain as you are You can say in your mind, oh, this is just a bunch of hooey, just a bunch of religious rhetoric. But you know, you'll find out when your body gives up and you leave that body that your ability to make a choice is now no longer available to you. You're stuck, just like the rich man. So how about it? Do you want Him? Do you want eternal life? Do you want to have the guarantee, according to the Word of God, that you're on your way to heaven? See, salvation's not a, a maybe or a, a hope so. The Bible says that we can know that we have eternal life. How can we know? He says quite simply. He that has the Son has life. And he that does not have the Son does not have life. Again, that choice is up to you and I. So I'm giving you an opportunity right now to invite him into your life. To make him your Lord. To receive him as your Savior. The one that came to deliver you and save you. From eternity of hell and it's real simple so just bow your head in reverence to the Lord and just pray this after me I'll have you here tonight I want you to repeat after me say dear Heavenly Father I ask you tonight to hear my heart and respond to my prayer I believe according to the scriptures that Jesus Christ is your son that he came to us as a man and he died in my place he hung on that cross He became my sin and went to hell for three days and three nights bearing the judgment I deserved. But then you, Father, you sent God the Holy Spirit that went into the very depths of hell itself And resurrected Jesus. Jesus became the firstborn from the dead. And you lifted him out of that judgment. Through this spiritual birth, through the resurrection of his spirit. And is alive today. And seated at the right hand of God. I'm asking you, Jesus, I choose you. I choose you as my Lord. I ask you to come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I call upon your name. Therefore, I am now saved. I receive you. As my Lord, as my Savior, as my Messiah. And I say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Now, according to Scripture, because I confess you as my Lord. Because I believe that God raised you from the dead. I'm now born again. I'm now saved. I'm now delivered from hell. All my sin and all that I was is passed away. And I have a brand new life in Jesus. So when I leave this earth through physical death, I'm not afraid. I have eternal life. And I'll go to that place that Jesus is preparing for me. And I'll be in his presence for all eternity. Just lift your hand and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me now. Thank you for saving me now. Now understand... That receiving Jesus as your Savior is not the end it's the beginning Amen. too many people pray that prayer that you just prayed and then they just go back to live in their life the way they were that's not what God has for us he has a whole new life for us but we have to choose it and so I'm telling you that now you need to grow in the things of God. You you, you have the opportunity now to get free from all the entanglements of this world. Those things that just open the door to bad things happening in our life. You can be free. You're free spiritually. But now it's time to renew the mind and start choosing Him in your decisions and to walk in light and not in darkness. So the Lord has a church for you where you can grow. A place where the word of God is taught. And so when you find that church, when you find that pastor and you give your life to it, they will pour God's life into your mind and you'll be renewed and you'll start following Jesus in a new and meaningful way. And that's what he has for you we'd love to have you come here if you're nearby we're available to you now if you prayed that prayer if Jesus is now real to you we'd like to send you free of charge some literature to help you get started in your new life just contact the church email is the best way BFC the initials of the church 3982 At gmail.com and we'll respond to you we're not gonna put you on a mailing list we don't have time for that and we don't like to push but we'll do as much as we can for you when you ask just contact us BFC 3982 at gmail.com and we can begin that relationship and we'll start out by sending you some things that you can begin growing because you're now different You're now what the Bible calls a new creature. And you're going to have to discover who you now are from the Word of God. And when you begin to grasp this new life in Him, I'm telling you, it is so liberating. It is so awesome. It's so glorious. And so, Father, I pray for these that have received you tonight. I say they'll never be the same again. I say that this, that which they receive tonight, is a reality to them. It's not a feeling. It's not a a simple experience. No, it is now a spiritual reality. They are forever changed. And now they can begin walking out God's plan for their life here on the earth until they go home thank you for it in Jesus name.